Today's episode of the Oil Can Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Oilers tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the latest, fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work the clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. Hi there, I'm Alan Mitchell and uh, John Willis joins us as well. John, how are you? Together again, Al. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't miss it? <laughs> this is, I'm in a, a lovely basement with uh, just complete dark outside. The sun will come up here, though, in another few minutes. But you, uh, what? I, it's midday before you get the sun now? or It's the season of darkness, Al. The season yeah. of darkness, yes. Yeah. All right. Just to let everybody know, we are recording this in uh, uh, breakfast time on uh Tuesday morning after the Edmonton Oilers lost to Chicago last night. They're 5-1-0 to start the season. And the great thing, John, I'm sure you'll agree, is now that they've lost a game, panic and chaos and anger and rage can can move throughout the streets and people can get really angry. Uh, they couldn't when they were winning, but now we're back to normal. You know, I was just starting to hope and dream again, Al, but... The cynicism, I can feel it coming back from the past years now that the 82-0 the and 0 dream is dead. It's time to fire the coach, fire the GM, trade the bums. No. <laughs> what What were we thinking? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Where was the, why, why were we so optimistic? Oh, uh, you know, I, I swear I'm going to be on the radio in about two hours, and I, I know the texts are going to come in. Why did they do this and that? And there are some things to talk about. That's one of the great things about this morning is there's a few things to talk about. Uh, let's start with this. There is going to be a lot of rage in the cage over uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl playing. I think it was north of 26 minutes last night. But on the other side of the coin, they had some major major chances in that game so i'm not absolutely certain that that you know you can fairly criticize tippett for playing his best players that much in a game that was close well that's the thing is in any individual game the decision to play mcdavid or drysidle just ludicrous amounts of hockey is completely reasonable they're exceptional players the game is close you want your points yada 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 the problem is that uh, what, what's what's that line you like, Al? You develop a past. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So you you do this. You do it for one game. That's great. That's no problem at all. That's fine and dandy. You do it for five of six. Then you start having a problem. It's the Oilers have to find a way not to do this all the time. And maybe that's something that's coming up. Maybe Tippett feels he can put the pedal to the metal a little bit more in the early season when every, everybody's fresh and rested and all that good stuff. But at some point, the Oilers are going to have to find ways to win games where McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't playing that often. And the truth is, blowouts don't happen that often in the NHL. So it's, it's going to be tough. And until we see that the coaching staff has a plan, I, I think there's a bit of a question of, okay, so is the plan just to ride these guys? Well, one of the things that I, I've been thinking about for a while, and, and I, 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 in all honesty, I have to say, I, I suspect they'll eventually get there. The 
the five-on-five scoring when McDavid is on the ice is 7-5 for the Oilers. With Nuge is on the ice, it's 4-2. So the top uh, two lines are going pretty well. But it's 0-2 with Shahan, 1-2 with Haas, 0-2 with Cave. And it's, I think, 1-3 uh, with uh, Granlund, but that's uh, as a winger and as a center. So, you know... I know it's too early to talk recall, but Cooper Marodi's down in the minor leagues. They're not getting any offense. They have one goal, I think, outside the top six uh, forwards. That's from Negard and a four-on-four with Haas. Uh, to me, it's just a natural idea. I know he loves his penalty killers, but at some point, don't you have to increase the possible offense on one of those two depth lines? I think you absolutely do. I don't know that you're in recall territory yet, though. Like You, you look at the players they have on those lines... I mean, uh, Archibald was double-digit goals a year ago. Granlund was double-digit goals a year ago. Uh, I don't remember how many Shahan had, but he was in the range. Chason was at 22. Uh, Kara was double-digit goals two years ago. Nygaard and Haas are new to North America. Russell's a rookie. Like, I, I think you're still at the stage in the game where you're going to flip guys around. And, and hopefully, I, I think maybe that's, that's one positive you can take from the loss is it's going to be more likely to result in some major shifts in the in the bottom six um maybe you're moving deck chairs around and and maybe ultimately you do have to go to the farm and uh bring in some more talent but i i don't think we're there yet i still think that you uh you mix and match and and hope to generate a little bit more from the group you have are you uh, on the thomas yurcho train would you like to see him another say 10 games on that line or are you are you seeing enough uh offense from from yurcho not last night. <laughs> um, I, I I think um, well, ten games is a long time, and he's in a he's in a premier role. I, man, he's made some fantastic moves, and uh, you know a couple of really nice assists. So it's hard to be too critical of of the fact that he doesn't have, you know, much in the way of shots or goals. At, at the same time, you you look at his history. Last year at this time, he was playing for the. I don't even think he was with Charlotte yet, but he was in the American League. So. Has he outplayed uh, Nigard in the same role? I, I don't know that he has. I, I It wouldn't bother me at all to leave him there for another game or two. It wouldn't bother me at all to shuffle him into the bottom six or even out of the lineup after last night for a game or two. I, I think he's earned a longer rope in the NHL. I don't necessarily know that it's in the top six. That's a great point you make. I, I like Nigard's speed. I like that he you know drives to the net. Uh, there's a lot about him. That I like. I've also, I think Chase on is coming on a little bit now. Cassian has played very well. He didn't, you know, score the I think the last couple of games, but he has three goals uh, early on. So that that seems to be working okay. Uh, I wonder though, John, as we get farther into the year, uh, and and that we're speaking specifically forwards, we'll get to the defense in a minute. I I just wonder, you know, you, you Cassian is makes it I think five of six. You could move him out if he can if he struggles, but right now you keep him there. The Yurcho yeah. problem is one that you you know you've got some minor league options. Uh, maybe there's a trade to be made, but man, the idea that Yurcho or Negard work out would would number one it saves a hell of a lot of money. Number two, you get a complimentary player that you didn't have to trade for. I see the appeal of it, but are 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 the Oilers under Holland and Tippett at some point, in your opinion, I, I really do think they want to make the playoffs. And with that as the backdrop and driving things, do you think they're maybe more open to a trade or do you think that's something that, that we're just going to have to see around the deadline? There'll be no uh, hurry up on that. 
So Ken Holland's history to me is the biggest indicator of where we're going to go in the future. And his history in Detroit is not one of making player-for-player -player trades. Now, the wrinkle in all that is that he's with a new team now. He did not, you know, lovingly handcraft the Edmonton Oilers over a course of 20 years, uh, growing his players in the minors and, and bringing them up in the Red Wings' way. So maybe he looks at this roster and he's a little more willing to tinker with it than he has been in the recent past. But to me... I, I think you're you're roll, probably rolling with the group you have for the most part, and uh, and looking for American League call-ups in a couple of months. Maybe the X factor there, like to me, I, I look at the waiver wire that we saw at the start of the year. There are opportunities to bring in scoring wingers. That is that is the one place I think around the league where you can reasonably say that there are trade options out there, and. Uh, it doesn't really it isn't really likely to cost them that much although the cost goes up now that those guys have successfully made it through waivers this is the oil can podcast i wanted to mention we usually mention another podcast on ours but Corey pronman has the uh, his 2020 ranking out today at the athletic and john i know you're all about the prospects you wanted this to be a prospect show as i recall <laughs> uh, so i wanted yeah i said move over Guy fleming i i'm i'm taking your seat <laughs> oh dear uh, but I, I, I think that's worth uh, having a look at it. And I don't think the Oilers are going to be... Where do you... Like, if you had to bet now, you and I are in Vegas. They're 5-1, and one, John, and yet they're this Oilers. So we, we know they have room to grow, and we know that there's going to be alterations next summer. They're not the complete, uh, you know, uh, canvas that Ken Holland, I'm sure, envisions, or Dave Tippett. Where where would you put them? Are they are they still? I have them at eighty eight points. I don't I don't think I've moved from that after the five one and zero start. Would you move their chances up a lot based on their start? Uh, yeah, not a, I, I don't know that a lot. Well, it, it depends on your definition of a lot, honestly. I, I think you you absolutely move them up after the five and one start, both because. Well, well, there's two factors, right, with the early start. The first is, okay, maybe there's something there I'm not seeing that I, that I didn't see coming into the year. And the second is they've got points in the bank now. Uh, to me, I had them pretty unlikely to make the playoffs, like maybe um, maybe a one in four, one in five. Well, probably not one in five. Probably one in four shot to start the year. I wish I could go back and look at what I'm written, what I've written in the past right now, so I'm not misrep misrepresenting myself. But I think it's probably one in four in the past is probably closer to 50-50 now. Maybe not quite there yet. Um, so that that's sort of where I'm at with them. Are I, I know you weren't a fan of them being a playoffs. It hasn't it hasn't moved for you yet. No, uh, and I'll, the 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 reason it hasn't is is um, I I like I love what they're doing, but they they are. This is the 2016-17 uh, formula, which is, you know, goalie stops enough pucks, McDavid scores enough goals, uh, and you win. But their their possession numbers are not strong. They're auditioning two uh, young rookie defensemen we're going to talk about in two shakes here. I, I just feel like it's a really good start, but there's an 0-5 and 0 run down the road. And, and right now, I, I think they're about a point-per-game team with a little bit of an increase. There were 79 uh, points, I think, a year ago, which is basically a point per game. And I think they're about 88. They're, they're just a hair better than they were. Uh, but I haven't seen, you, you know, the Neil, the Neil heater, I think has, has it's like a, 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 
it's taken a lot of pressure off a lot of other things, but it hasn't solved them. And I think those those problems are going to come home to roost. So I'm not like I, I don't want to be a downer, but I think they're an 88 point team. Well, here's I, I agree with you. I agree with a lot of what you just said. The one thing that I look at and I wonder, okay, maybe that's for real, is the shift in the special teams. So the power play to me looks incrementally improved. I mean, you know, disregarding the goals, looking at sort of the underlying metrics, the power play to me looks incrementally improved from where it was a year ago, which and it was already good a year ago. But I actually think they've had some success in revamping the penalty kill, which was what I was sort of holding my breath on, especially after Larson went down. Now, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just, you know, how many minutes have they been on the penalty kill? Have they even had 10 penalty kill minutes total? Yeah. Like, it's it's so early that I don't trust it. But to me, when I look at this team, the format for me is you have a first line that's obviously really good, which we all knew. Um, with Neil, you might have a second line that's good. I think your bottom two lines get killed, but hopefully not by in a low event sort of way, so it doesn't doesn't destroy your team. And then you kind of win the game on special teams teams as as much as you can. Maybe that's a template for a team that that's uh, you know slides into a wild card spot. I'm not sold on it, but I'm I'm open to it, and I'm sort of leaning a little bit in that direction after all the off season attention on the penalty kill. Well, one thing I'll say, I, I didn't look at it after last night's game, but leading into last night's game, I think they were seven power play goals, one shorthanded goal again. So they were plus six on the power play and 0-1 on the PK, which is, I mean, that's damn good. If you could, you know, I mean, they, they won't continue that ratio, but that they're, they're and Tippett did say it was going to be a priority, uh, and it has been. So you're right, that is an encouraging sign. Uh Go ahead. Well, sorry. I didn't. Sorry, uh, yeah, I didn't look at it after last night's game, but uh, the penalty kill going in, the shot rate has just uh, declined dramatically, and by that I mean the shots against rate. They are allowing far fewer looks on the penalty kill than they did a year ago, or the year before, or the year before that. They're they're looking much more like a good penalty killing team by sort of across the across the board. This is the Oil Can Podcast. I'm Alan Mitchell. He's Jonathan Willis. Um, I, I wanted to get to this because I and I want to I want to preface this because I really like Ethan Bear. Two of the most beautiful plays we've seen so far this year were Bear to McDavid, little touch passes that were maybe five feet and and sprung for goals. Uh, I thought last night he and Joel Pearson, Pearson more than Bear, were exposed a little bit. Uh, Bear got caught a little bit, just a little flat-footed on, I believe, to Brinkat and allowed him the corner for a shot. And then he actually had to tackle uh, a forward because he'd lost the puck and the man. Uh, these things are going to happen. These are young players. Pearson got flattened. Uh, behind the net last night uh, and he also was slow to recognize on one of the goals as I recall uh, my feeling is you stay the course with these guys especially until Larson comes back uh, but I was a little surprised John just me that they didn't increase the minutes for Russell Benning that much I I, I think we've given a pairing like that and maybe one or both of your young defensemen are, are struggling uh I would just play Russell Benning more. It turns out that, that uh, Coach Tippett decided to, to change things up a little bit. He had, I think he had Clefbaum Russell out there, Clefbaum Bear, shuffled a little bit. Maybe he just wanted to see those things. But my, my question to you is, what, why, would, why the hesitation, at least in this particular instance, in moving up uh, Russell and Benning, who seemed to me to be a fairly uh, reasonable third pair, and maybe they could take on a few more minutes? 
I've been pretty happy with Benning. Um, I, I think he's played well this year. You know, when when I look at Benning, and I because <laughs> of course it's our it's our running joke on here that that you hate Matt Benning, but I, I think the real issue with Benning is just that he's a little bit pricey in, in a replacement level position and they've got a lot coming on right D so you kind of want that third pair slot for a guy who might eventually be more than a third pair defenseman but he's played really well uh, I think he's probably been their second best guy on the right side so far this season I wouldn't have any objection to giving him a look in the top four at some point at at the expense of Pearson who I thought was really not good last night and you know you're right to point to the hit maybe that was was part of the reason why I don't know that I would be so eager to promote Chris Russell. Um, I, you know, it's funny because by eye I haven't minded Russell, but it, you you look at the metrics. He's he's been the weakest of the of the team through six, according to basically any number you want to run. I, I like to look at expected goals. I've kind of moved to that this year, and everybody's sort of between 48 and 54%, which is a really good number, and then Russell's all by himself at 41. I don't know that I believe that yet. I, I don't think that... I still think there's something that isn't necessarily caught um, in terms of uh, quality prevention for Russell, but that's a, that's a bad number. I mean, he's... Uh, and and he still he still has I think some trouble with the, the tippet system. I I'm curious. I'm I'm hopeful. I guess that he can he can kind of compensate that because he's so valuable on the penalty kill and he, his physical skills are real. I think. But I I'm I'd be leery about promoting him. To me, it would make more sense to bump Parison down to the third pair and and give Benning some of his minutes and and just hope that that Bear wiggles out of it. But you highlight sort of the problem with this, which is I don't think you have options if those guys struggle you can if they on nights they both struggle one of them's got to play the minutes and um yeah i i'd be good with giving benning a bit more not so much so with russell except for on the penalty kill but um you're you're kind of stuck with the kids at this point do you think um i'm gonna write on bear this week for the athletic and i and i i thought of i thought of titling the article uh, how Ethan Bear is making Darnell Nurse better, but I thought that was too much because I really like Darnell Nurse's game this year. I think he's playing uh, with more authority. And but the fact is that that Bear is a rookie and a flat out rookie. He hasn't played, I don't think, twenty games yet, or if he has, it's just twenty. Uh, is that pairing is more effective because Bear can really outlet the pass well, and I even think Nurse's passing is better now. Maybe it's just osmosis, but I'm I'm beginning to like. That duo, uh, not last night. I thought I thought Bear struggled, uh, but but even that it was it was it wasn't a complete chaos game. Uh, by well, Bear. he still had some moments with the puck, right? Yeah, like there yeah. there were some giveaways, but there were some moments too where you looked and he he did stuff that a guy like Chris Russell wouldn't have done in that spot a year ago. Yeah, and it's I I just you know I I guess I, I don't want to get too excited about Ethan Bear, but you know Bouchard on the farm. Uh, he's he's learning and he's he's going to grow, but he's always I think he's always going to have a little bit of the recognition problem. It's not a natural thing to him. The offense is more natural. Bear is a guy like Clefbaum who might have enough of all of the elements to to really play a substantial role eventually. And and what I like about him now with Nurse is uh, all the things that Bear doesn't have, Nurse has, and all the things Nurse doesn't have, Bear does, and they're both uh, at least adequate. The the 
Bears' issues are, I think, mostly experience. Once he, uh, you know, gets up to 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 you know the speed of the NHL game, I don't think he's going to give that corner away to the wide winger coming down. Uh, I I'm encouraged by that pairing, and I do wonder because I didn't like the Nurse Larson pairing at all. Like, in fact, I I I actively disliked it at the beginning of the year. I do wonder if that's a pair we're going to see for most of the year. Yeah, I, I think that's a valid point. I think they do complement each other really well. Um, I, I have to disagree with what you said on, on Bouchard, though. I, I think his issues are more, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the comments that we've, we heard in training camp about guys with junior habits were sort of directed at Bouchard. And like that, that's just, it is what it is. You know, like he's, he's playing 30 minutes a game in junior. He can, he's, he's got to play a certain way. And you have to play a very different way to be effective playing 18 to 20 minutes as a pro. So I, I think that's what they, they have to... But he's 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 strong enough. He's big enough. I don't think he's... he's. I guess you could say there's some awareness issues as a defender. But I don't think it's anything that's, that's not catchable. Especially based on how much jump he had from where he was a year ago at this point to where he is today. So I, I think he's going to be a more complete player. Um, and honestly, more of a complete player than Bear, because I think Bear is always going to have those size physical issues. I, I don't think it's going to stop him from having a good career because he's smart and he's so good with the puck. But I, I think Bouchard ultimately is going to be a, a more complete defenseman. Maybe maybe we look back at this and I'm, I'm way off, but that's, that's my guess today. But I agree with you 100% on what he does for Darnell Nurse. They're very, very complimentary players. And I agree with you too on the Nurse-Larsen pairing. They had um, they had moments together in the past, not this season, not last season, but the year before. But that's not enough to justify. And, and I think the idea was that you know that frees you up to use Clefbaum in a more offensive role. To me, if you've got Nurse Barron in an offensive role, that's probably good enough. Um, I, I agree. Nurse looks a little better in that regard, and and Bear's very creative with the puck. He can he can play those minutes now. I think. So if you get Larson back and Larson. And the big question here is whether Adam Larson is in fact Adam Larson. Yeah, and that's, a, have, that's over a year old. That question. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's. It's not a new thing. Last season we were wondering this, and I, I'm always. I what I hate about this is aging curves. We're more aware of them now, and injury for defensemen in particular is, is a killer. So it, it's something to worry about. But. If he's a even even a semblance of Adam Larson, then you can run Clefbaum, Larson, Nurse Bear, and uh, whatever's left on the third pair. And ultimately, I think what's going to happen is both Benning and Parison get squeezed out. But um, based on the early season, I'm not sure that Benning gets squeezed out before Parison does. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think Parison, you know, he hasn't reached like Bear is already a point that Parison has to get to, and. Uh, if one of those two is deemed to be, uh, you know, uh, optioned out or, or needing a little bit of extra time in Bakersfield, it, uh, for me, it's definitely Pearson now. My my Bouchard take is that I think he's going to be a brilliant player with the puck. And I do think he's improved. He gets back quicker. Uh, he makes good decisions. He's an expert passer. I'm, I'm a little worried about his uh, read and react and his also his... his uh, uh, um, danger, you know, zone uh, alert mechanism. Uh, what's that? Distant early warning signals. And we'll see. <laughs> you know, your your point about AHL time is good. We'll see. Uh, but I like. 
I feel like he's going to be a top four. I don't know if Bouchard's going to be a, a top pairing defenseman. I can't project him that high. And and like really, I think Oscar Clap for me, Oscar Clapbaum's a top pairing defenseman. But on this team, he's the only one. Do you agree? I, I agree with the projection for Bouchard. To me, you you there's enough in his game that's lacking today that you can't say for sure that he's going to be a top pair defenseman. And if you're the way I look at these projections is to look at him pessimistically. So, you know, set a benchmark where he might exceed it and it's it's less it, he's more likely to exceed it than he is to come in below it and and so for me that's second pair defenseman for Bouchard. I think it's more likely that he can play top pair minutes for you than that he he can't handle even second pairing minutes. So, if you have second pairing as sort of your your um line in the sand form, I think it's a good one. And yeah, yeah, I think Clefbaum is a bona fide top pair guy. I think Nurse might get there. I don't know that I'm sold on him yet. But outside of those two, there's there's nobody else that you can can really say is. I think Adam Larson, you know, I maybe he was at his very very peak as a player. I there's so much uncertainty with him now. I don't think you can say that he is. So it's going to be a by committee approach, and and Clefbaum's going to have to do a lot, and Nurse is going to have to do a lot. John Short was on my show, uh, God, two years ago, and he said something that that always stuck with me. He was talking about the old timey Oilers and then the new Oilers, uh, and he said, "Look, you know, McDavid is is Gretzky, uh, Drysaddle is Messier," and he said, uh, um, "Adam Larson is Lee Fogelin," and and I thought, <laughs> man, that's that. You see, that's what the problem with that damn trade was. But even more than that, that's actually it. And and Fogelin was was uh, effective but but for for every year that came along and the league got faster Foglin was a little slower and I and I like I I Larson's numbers in 1718 with Darnell Nurse at Puck IQ looking at their rel numbers everybody's abandoned rel and rel Corsi but me but I'm hanging in there baby and I and I felt like Larson Nurse that year looked pretty darn good and and yeah after that, it was like Nurse, his numbers went down in 1819. Everybody's did. But the, the, the erosion was Larson. And I, you know, you talk about trying to get out of contracts here. I'm not suggesting that Larson isn't going to be a, uh, a player of value later in the year. But I'll tell you, John, if this erosion is real, that that will be, number one, even a worse trade than we thought it was. And number two, the owners don't have that stopgap shutdown guy on the right-hand side. And, and that's that's going to be a, a, a real problem for Coach Tippett. It's going to be interesting to me where they are at the deadline because you, you've we've got a year, almost two years left on Larson's contract at this point. And uh, even even with erosion at $4 bucks a season, I, I don't have any problem at all with that contract. But the question to me is what happens afterward. And I think it's a question you want to have a pretty good idea of by the trade deadline because if you're out of the mix and Larson's playing at some semblance of past Larson levels you've got a year and a half of him potentially to offer on trade now the the issue of course and we've been Larson and the, the issue with with Larson trade rumors which have been going on for at least a year now is that there there really isn't anybody else as you highlight I think two of the slots long-term are probably going to Baron Bouchard, but neither of those is a shutdown guy. Um, 
maybe you don't need a pure shutdown defenseman in the in the old sense anymore. It's still the the thing that gets me though is you still want a guy you can trust in tough minutes. I don't know that Bear will be there by the deadline. I don't know that Bouchard will. I'm I'm pretty sure Bouchard won't be there by the deadline. And uh, if you if you move out Larson, I don't think there's anybody who's there, and and it's a, it's a real issue. And um, you know if, if they're in the thick of the playoff race, I think it's an issue that'll prove decisive. If they're well out of it, which seems unlikely at this point, it's it's a lot easier. But um, you you don't want those decisions to be easy. You want them to be difficult. And I don't know. There there has to be. I guess what I'm getting at is there has to be some succession planning for yeah. for your top penalty kill right side guy, your top yeah. shutdown right side guy. Maybe one of the kids grows into it. But that problem's coming up one way or the other, whether you keep Larson or trade him. And um, I I don't know who the option is that's coming up that's going to fill that role, or if you have to go outside the organization to find that person. That's a great point. the The internal option, the ideal one, is Lagason. He's left handed, and and you know we'll we'll see uh, what he is. You know, we often project these guys, and they end up being a little different once we see them at the National Hockey League level. You know, we've gone almost the entire show and haven't mentioned goaltending, which I think is a a, a, a victory for everybody. <laughs> Uh, but I thought Smith was brilliant. I did not like the way he handled the Nylander goal. I don't like the way anybody handled that Nylander goal. Uh, <laughs> but I I think, you know, like at least for the short term, I, I think goaltending isn't the problem in Edmonton. So far, yeah. Um, I'm still skeptical about Mike Smith. I... <sighs> I think on whole, you have to be happy with his early season. I think there's also been enough wobble at times. You mentioned the Nylander goal. I don't think anybody would criticize his game as a whole against Chicago, and that's not an issue, except that you know you combine it with some of the stuff that happened in the LA game, and this is a goalie who three games in has overall been just fine. If he can maintain this level of overall performance, nobody is going to be objecting to that signing, including people like me who are cynical about it. But there's been enough wobble through three games that I'm not content to say, okay, this is what he is yet. I'm I'm much more in the the wait and see. I still wonder if Koskinen doesn't ultimately emerge as the guy, like Smith's the guy early. I, I don't know that, that that's going to be the case over the course of the year. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm goaltending to me is maybe the biggest part of their 5-1 and one start. We all... You know, coming into the year, I, I think most people around the league saw the Oilers as being near the bottom in terms of where their goaltending talent is, and that has not been the performance so far. I, I would have started Koskinen last night. Uh, it was his turn in the rotation. I understand that you know you'd seen Smith good five years previously in that stadium, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think Koskinen's played well. I don't, I you know, I didn't see any reason to to upset the rotation. I would have brought Koskinen back. And I'm I'm hopeful that they play Koskinen against Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't. It would, I don't think it would have made a difference last night. I, and I don't think you're saying that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a little odd they started Smith. But the one thing I kind of wondered, like it's not what Tippett said, so maybe it's just a figment of my imagination. But he seems to be, and maybe it's just worked out this way. But he seems to be going in two games, two games, two games. And I wonder if there isn't some advantage in in letting these guys have a little bit of rope when they. They get the start rather than a one-in, one-out rotation. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's nothing to that. We'll have goaltending people listening to this and saying, John, you're, you're full of it, and, and that's fu- fully possible. But um, it, it's just something I've, I've kind of wondered about. We were going to have a, a, a We Get Letters 
uh, segment here, but all of the emails are telling both of us we're full of it. So, uh, <laughs> the, so that, that's the problem with listening yeah. to feedback from our readers and or <laughs> no, listeners, right? It's is like you... it's like being married again. You know, same thing. You know, <laughs> same kind of feedback, man. Uh, is is I gotta get? We have to get Daniel on this show to tell us about his road trip I because know. it sounded like he was staying at a, like a. Uh, the Y in Chicago or something. I don't know where he was staying, but it, I, I want to find out what happened on that road trip. It's, yeah, I, well, and you know what? You and I have been incredibly civil to each other given our contentious <laughs> past. So <laughs> we, we need Daniel in here to, to yeah, yeah I, I don't think this can last. We talk about unsustainable starts. The, the peace and harmony on this podcast is unsustainable. We need Daniel well, you, back to, uh, you, no. you, you're to make it last. You. You harpooned me on my Bouchard opinion, but other than that, it was yeah, fine, but only a John. little bit, like <laughs> was, only a little. Bit. Yeah, well, you held back. I think it's because you're in your Winnie the Pooh pajamas and you don't feel like getting aggressive. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a onesie, Al. It's a onesie. <laughs> oh dear. All right, I think we're t- pretty much time here, but I have yeah, enjoyed yeah, this, we're John. Out. All right. Thanks, buddy. And, Have a great and day. Good lucky. Yeah. And, you know, you lucky listeners who stuck to the end to hear those terrible jokes. Uh, <laughs> bless you. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We've got a book of 500 coming out. Thanks for tuning in.